Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Who'd love to have an encounter with the living Jesus this morning? Come on, who'd love to have an encounter with the living Jesus this morning? You know, I really believe Jesus wants to speak to a bunch of people this morning. At the end, I just believe right down here, right down the front, you know, Jesus is going to speak a different word to the word that you've been believing. There's some of us this morning that have been believing uh, a word that is not God's word. But it's a word that's shaping your life and God's word this morning is going to shape your life in a different way. It's going to shape you into the image of Christ. It's going to help your heart to be shaped to the shape of God's heart. I pray this morning that you're ready to hear God's word, a different word to the word that you're believing right now and it might shape your future. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you have risen from the dead, Jesus. You're alive today. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. You speak to us every day. You've got a word for us. As we open your word, we thank you that it's a living word. It's living and active. And and it can shape and transform and change our lives today. And thank you that you whisper to us through your Holy Spirit. You speak a different word over us. This morning, God, would you help us to hear that word, to receive it, to take hold of it, and to be shaped into your image. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, they say there's two certainties in life, death and taxes. And I reckon we've all heard far too much about taxes over the last uh, couple of months, and so I'm going to lighten the mood a little this morning and talk about death. <laughs> we, uh, we don't talk about death too often. It's not that popular to talk about. Actually, we're not very good at talking about it in other, our culture. Other cultures seem to be far more open to talking about death, but the reality is it's something we're all going to face. It's something that we all need to be prepared for in one way or another. It doesn't matter how young or old you are uh, here this morning, at some point your body will wear out and you will be placed into a grave. There'll be no more opportunity for you to change. There'll be no more opportunity for you to speak a different story. The the story will have come to an end. But your grave continues to speak to the world around us something about your story. And so... On most graves, unless it's an unmarked grave for some tragedy, on most graves it tells the world, it speaks to the world of your name and it's etched in history. And so if you're here this morning and you don't like the name your parents have given you, put your hand up if your parents have given you a dodgy name, well, change it now. Because once you're in the grave, it's too late to change. That there's no hope for change and your name will be etched in history and the whole world 
will know your name. A grave normally speaks to the world that we have a beginning. You know, thank God I'm not yet in the grave yet. My story is not finished, but my beginning is 1972. And one day that number will be etched into a grave. And I'm very thankful that uh, my wife is uh, not yet in a grave, but one day she'll have a number one there, 1971, because she's much older than I am. But uh, just in case you didn't already know that, but uh, you know, a grave will tell us that we have a beginning, and then a grave will tell us that we had a dash. We had a time where we actually did get to tell our story. We had a time where we did live, you know, above the grass and, and we walked on the earth and then our grave will tell us one day that we had an end. There'll be another number written on that grave and then there'll be a full stop. And that's the end. You see, there's a beginning, there's a dash and there's an end, and once that full stop's in place, there's no hope for change. That's the end. The grave normally tells us actually what's most important during the dash. You see, on most graves, it says something like, you know, loving mother of, or loving son of. It actually tells us that because at the end of the day, that's what's most important during the dash, is actually relationships. It's family. And even though that's what's most important during the dash, it means once that full stop is in place, that too has come to an end. There is no more hope for change. It is what it is. Sometimes our grave will tell the world, you know, what it is we did to serve the world. You know, dedicated teacher of 35 years or dedicated doctor of, uh, of 40 years or, or whatever it might be. Sometimes our grave will tell the world, you know, what it is we did to serve the world. But once that full stop's in place, it's the end. There's no more chance to tell a different story. There's no more hope for change. What, what a grave, I've never seen a grave yet that says, you know, he had three BMWs, four investment properties and died with a million dollars in the bank. Because apparently, as much as we kind of think it is now, that's not what is most important during the dash. But whatever it is that they had, once there's a full stop, that too has come to an end. There's no more hope for change. You see, once there's a full stop, there's a beginning, there's a dash, there's an end. Once there's a full stop, there's no more hope for change. The grave speaks to you. The grave will speak to the world once you're gone and once you have lost the opportunity to speak a different story. The grave will tell the world your name. It will tell the world you had a beginning, you had a dash, it came to an end and there's no more hope for change. But I wonder if this morning some of us 
well actually all of us thankfully that are here and I pray that's true at the end of the service we're all still living in the dash all, all of us here this morning are still living in the dash we don't yet have a full stop but I wonder if some of us this morning even though we're still living in the dash we're living in one area of our lives as if there's a full stop as if it's the end of the story as if we don't have the opportunity to speak a different story as if there's no more hope for change you know the big question this morning is have you given up hope in one area of your life and the big encouragement this morning is that if you are walking with Jesus during the dash there is always hope for change if you are walking with Jesus during the dash and you don't yet have a full stop there's always hope for change I want to read a story this morning. It looks like a hopeless story. It looks like a, a woman's in a hopeless situation. She's actually on her way to the grave to bury her dead son. And she's a widow and it's her only son. It, it looks like she's got no hope. It looks like she's got no one left. It looks like she's got no hope for her finances. He was the one that would have supported her and protected her. She can't work in that culture. It, it looked like, and the whole community were convinced that there was no hope. They're all gathered around her and, and they're mourning. They are crying as they're walking to the grave. It looks like a hopeless situation. But she has an encounter with Jesus. And she sees that when you encounter the living Jesus, even in a hopeless situation, there is hope for change. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. We're going to read from verse 11. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. All right, Jesus gaining popularity, been preaching cool sermons, healing cool people, and uh, all sorts of stuff going on. He's become the man of the moment, very, very popular. Everywhere he goes, large crowd is following him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. They were mourning with her as she goes to the grave to bury her son. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said what no man should ever say to a woman. Don't cry. Don't. I know we're supposed to be followers of Jesus, and we're supposed to copy what he says and does blokes this morning just don't copy this one all right Jesus says don't cry he makes a grave mistake don't cry then he went up and he touched the beer or the coffin they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still he said young man I say to you get up and the dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding 
country. What we see in this story, in this incredibly hopeless situation, that there's absolutely no one who is beyond the reach of God's hope. There's no one that is beyond the reach of God's hope. You see, Jesus gives living hope to dying families. It says, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, and he's the only son of a mother, and she's a widow. I mean, it looked like there was no hope for the future of this family. It looked like this was the end of the line. This family would not continue. This family had a full stop. Husband dead, only son dead. No wonder she's crying. She's got nothing left. Now, once again, just like last week, we see the deep compassion of Jesus. Last week, we see Jesus reaching out to touch the untouchable, and he heals his disease, and he heals his loneliness with a simple touch. No one is beyond the reach of God's heart of compassion. It says that Jesus' heart was deeply moved with tender compassion in the story we read last week. And in this story, as Jesus sees this widow who has just lost her only son, once again it says Jesus' heart has gone out to her. Jesus has compassion for people in pain. A really good definition of compassion is compassion is your pain in my heart. Or or compassion is my pain in your heart. It's when you actually carry the pain for someone, even though it's not actually your pain. And this is what Jesus is doing. His heart is filled with compassion. He's feeling her pain. He's carrying it for her. You know, on my, on my Bucks night, my mates thought it would be really funny to dress me up in a pink tutu, make me sing in a karaoke bar, and then at the end of the night, uh, throw food all over me and chain me to a nativity scene on the main road going through where we lived in, in Sydney. And, and if you've ever needed any proof that women really are the superior race, you just need to look at what blokes do on Bucks nights. I mean, blokes are idiots. Women are far smarter. They'd never do that to their best friends. But that's what us blokes do. And at the end of the night, as uh, they were coming at me and starting to throw food all over me, and I'd had about enough of it, I took a swing at my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law hadn't bothered to open the can on properly that he was throwing all over me. And I punched that can, and, and I nearly cut those three fingers off on my right hand. They were just hanging there, blood spurting out everywhere. I get into hospital, and uh, the, the doctors in the emergency room wanted to sew together my uh, veins or whatever arteries, whatever it is, a vein in your fingernail, something. Anyway, I had blood pumping out of it and, uh, and he was trying to sew it together as quickly as he could so I wouldn't lose uh, more blood without any anesthetic. And I'm just sitting there in agony and my dad is watching the doctor sew uh, bits of my fingers back together. That night, as I'm laying in hospital, my dad goes home to bed. He just couldn't sleep all night, all night. He told my mom he just felt this incredible pain in his fingers. There's nothing physically wrong with him. He was fine, but he was feeling so much pain he couldn't sleep because he'd looked at his son in pain. He was carrying my pain in his hand or in his heart. Why? 
Why would that happen to my dad? Because my dad loves me more than most. My, my dad's, you know, got a, a passion in his heart for me more than most other people in the world. And so when he sees his son in pain, he feels my pain in his heart. And this is what's going on for Jesus. Je- Jesus' crowd of people, he's the man of the moment, popular guy. People are gathering around, they, they want to be near him. And yet he sees one woman, two crowds converge on one another, people everywhere. Uh, Jesus has compassion in his heart for one woman who's carrying the pain of losing her son. And so his heart goes out to her and he reaches out and he touches that coffin and he speaks to that dead body and raises him from the dead and gives him back to his mother. Now, some of us, as we read this story, and I guarantee there's a whole bunch of us here this morning, you read that story and go, well, that's nice for that widow, but Jesus didn't give me back my son. He went to the grave and he's still dead and it still hurts. Jesus didn't give me back my mum my brother, my friend. And it still hurts. Well, you can read stories like that and that's our natural reaction. But I believe if if that is true, and that will be true for many of us here in this room, I still believe there is strength and hope in this story. You see, what we see in this story is a God who is not sitting silently indifferent in the midst of our pain. We have a God who is not impervious to human pain and tragedy. We actually have a God who carries our pain. He enters into our pain and he feels it himself. If we see in John chapter 11, one of the other couple of stories of Jesus raising someone from the dead, he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead and when he gets there and he sees the pain in Mary and Martha and the other friends. He sees their weeping at losing their brother and their friend Lazarus. It says that, shortest verse in the Bible, if you're looking for a memory verse, this is the one to go for. It simply says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And we see in that story, it wasn't because his friend Lazarus was dead. He actually knew Lazarus was going to die and he delayed his journey to get there because he knew that this was one of these divine moments to reveal the glory of God. And so he wasn't crying because his friend was dead. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. But as he's watching Mary and Martha and the others feel the pain of death, which we were never designed to walk through, he's looking at the pain of sin coming into the world. He's looking at the pain of the consequences of sin, which is death that is rampant through the world. And he's looking at the pain that it causes in people's hearts. And Jesus, the Son of God, wept. You see, we have a God. When we walk through the most difficult times of our lives, when we face our greatest enemy, death, and our heart is breaking, we have a God who actually carries us in our pain. He enters into our pain. 
and he walks with us. You see, if you're walking with Jesus during the dash, there will be some times of tragedy and pain because of the effects and the consequences of sin in this world. But there is strength and hope in walking with a God who actually carries our pain for us, does not sit silently indifferent. Now Jesus looks at this dead boy ready to go to the grave. Everyone has given up. And Jesus simply says these very simple words, but remarkable words. Uncomplicated words, but remarkable words. Very simple words, but powerful words. When everybody around has given up hope on the situation changing, Jesus reaches out with hope and he speaks to that boy and he says, Get up, young man. Get up and get going. And he does. A dead boy gets up. And he speaks, and it says that Jesus gave him back to his mother. I want to encourage you this morning, while you are walking through the dash, and you don't yet have a full stop, don't give up on what Jesus can give back. Do not ever give up on what Jesus can give back. Jesus is speaking a different word to the grave. The grave says, give up. There is no hope. There's a full stop. End of the story. No hope for change. Jesus says, get up and get going. And I wonder if some of us have put a full stop in one area of our lives while we're still living in the dash. Maybe you're a part of a family that began in 1951, but something's happened in your family has caused it to be broken and dying in some way, shape or form. Some relationship is broken. Intimacy is dead. There's been something happened in your family and forgiveness hasn't flown, but there is still distance and you've actually given up hope on that being restored. You said, end of the story. Full stop. There is no hope for change. Can I tell you, that is the grave speaking to you. That is not God speaking to you. While you're still walking with Jesus during the dash, there is hope for change. You know, I remember the first funeral I ever did, still the saddest funeral I ever did. A lady of, uh, mother of uh, twin girls who came to faith in our youth group in, in Sydney, uh, died suddenly. It wasn't a Christian. Died suddenly in her sleep, went to bed, seemingly healthy, went to wake her up in the morning and she was dead in a bed, absolutely no warning. I still remember you know, speaking at the funeral and her sister, Helen's sister, got up to speak. I didn't even know she had a sister. She got up to speak. She introduced herself and said, I'm Helen's sister. We had a big fight 15 years ago and I haven't spoken to her since. We never forgave each other. 
now it's too late. There is no hope for change. And I realise today that I still love her. And I should have forgiven her. I really struggled to get up and speak after that moment. One of the saddest things I've ever seen. I haven't seen it so much at a funeral after that, but I've seen it, I have seen it a few times, but I see it all over the place. Relationships that get broken. Intimacy that comes to an end in families where there's supposed to be intimacy and support. And for one reason or another, even though while we're still walking through the dash and Jesus has hope for change, we've decided to put a full stop and said, that's the end. This is the way it's been for so long. This is the way it will always be. I tell you, Jesus, we see in this story, Jesus has living hope for dying families. He speaks a living word, a different word, a word that has hope for change. There is no family in this room, there is no family you'll ever meet that is beyond the reach of God's hope for change, for restoration, for healing, for forgiveness, for intimacy. You know, it's one of the reasons why we're planting all of our campuses with uh, care centres and counselling centres. You know, we've now got a Gateway Counselling and Wholeness Centre down Ormo here at Mackenzie, and this year as we give to Gateway Beyond, we're going to be able to open our counselling centre in our Redlands campus. Why? Because we believe that we have a risen saviour who has compassion in his heart for dying families, for broken families. And as the hands and feet of Jesus, we are to have compassion for families that are broken in our community. And we believe that Jesus has hope for healing in families, to heal broken families, to redeem broken families. And so we want to speak hope into the families in our community, just like Jesus speaks hope into dying families you see Jesus gives living hope to dying families and he gives living hope to dying finances you know it says as the dead body approached the gate and Jesus comes along it says the only son of his mother was dead and she was a widow you need to understand you know while her husband was alive he provided for her and protected for her. When he died, the son took over those responsibilities in this culture. He provided for her and he protected her. It wasn't an easy world to be a woman in. She could not get a job and earn money herself. It was prohibited in this culture. She could not own land on her own. She would The land, if she was a farmer, would have had to be given to a distant relative and she would have been at the mercy of that relative or she would have been begging on the streets. It looked like not only her family was dead and, and, and it was the end for her family relationships when Jesus comes along, but it also looks like it's the end of her finances her financial situation is dead but when Jesus speaks to her dead son and raises him to life not only is their family restored but her financial future is restored and I wonder if some of us this morning have just got to a point in our finances where we're still living in the dash 
but we've kind of decided this hole we've got ourselves into is never going to finish. There's a full stop. It's the end of the story. This is the way it's always going to be because this is the way it's been for so long. Now we give up hope on that dream that God's put in our heart for a marketplace ministry. We give up on that job. We give up on the business we really believe. You know, God's called us to lead, to make a difference in people's lives. You know, we give up on, on getting ourselves out of the hole that we're in financially. In our hearts, we'd really love to be a generous person. We look at other people that are able to be generous with others and we go, I'd love to do that. That's in my heart. But I'm never going to get myself out of the hole that I'm in to actually be a generous person. Person. And so even though we're still living in the dash, we've put a full stop on our dying finances and we've just decided that's the way it's always going to be. Can I tell you, if you're walking with Jesus in the dash, he's got hope for your finances. You know, I'm going to talk about heaven and hell a bit today, but do you know that Jesus speaks more about money than heaven and hell? He does. Because he actually cares that you're able to provide for your family. He cares that you're generous. He cares that you use your money to see, you know, his kingdom grow. He he cares about you being generous. He cares about you providing for your family. The whole of the Bible is full of words, wise words, about how to be generous, about how to save, about how to invest wisely, about how to use our money wisely if you're still living in the dash and you don't yet have a full stop jesus has hope for your dying finances otherwise we just look at situations you know in our community or around the world and just say oh those people are living in poverty that's just the way it's always going to be but no we know that's not the heart of god and so our on track ministry up up the road here it's 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 uh i wish i could fully explain it it's a brilliant ministry We're not just giving out food parcels to people week after week, year after year, and just helping them stay in a cycle of poverty. We're actually walking with families. We are giving them food parcels, and and we are helping them get their family back on their feet, but we're walking with them over a long period of time to actually put into place some biblical principles, to actually help them to become healthy relationally, financially, and and, and we pray spiritually as as they connect with Jesus. But we are helping families in our community get out of a cycle of poverty and actually provide for their families themselves. It's, it's something awesome to be a part of. But you look at around the world and, and you see extreme poverty. We have no extreme poverty in Australia. But around the world, there are communities living in extreme poverty. One of, one of those places is uh, in the most densely populated nation on planet Earth where it's um, been working for over 40 years. Incredible poverty. And generation after generation just believe in this is the way it's always been, it's the way it will always be. And I've loved going and visiting as they've set up these women's saving groups, hundreds of them all over the nation. And they're helping women come together and put into practice God's word for our finances, God's principles. And, And little by little, families and communities are getting lifted out of poverty. You see, if, if we just presumed 
that if this is the way it's always been, it's the way it will always be, we wouldn't bother. But we actually believe. We actually believe that Jesus has living hope for dying finances. That's why we're looking at girls, you know, in, in sex trafficking in, in Asia and, and, and going, yes, they're in poverty and if they stay in poverty, they'll keep getting trafficked because they've got no way of generating income for themselves. We just go, well, there's nothing we can do about it. But no, for the last 10 years, we, we said we're going to do something about that. We're actually going to train girls to earn an income so that they get lifted out of poverty and their future can be a God-shaped future. It's why what we're doing around the world in some of the poorest communities is so important. It's why Joseph and Joe, and I can't even mention the country that they're in or exactly what they're doing. It's a very dark place spiritually. But they're setting up businesses for people from other faith backgrounds who don't yet know the risen Jesus to come into businesses, to work and to generate an income from their families and see their whole families lifted out of poverty and to see families come out of spiritual darkness and discover that there is a God in heaven who loves them and he knows their name. Can I encourage you, when we give to Gateway Beyond, we're actually giving living hope to families, communities, dying finances. And Jesus gives living hope to dying frames. I could just say bodies, but it doesn't start with F. And they're all going to start with F today, just so I can remember it more than you. But Jesus gives hope to dying frames. We see in this story, it's actually a dead frame getting carried out. It's a dead body. It looks like, for all intents and purposes, this is a full stop. This is the end for this body. And we see, we see in the encounter directly before this, it's the story of the centurion's servant. And centurion, you know, comes to Jesus and says, you know, my servant's sick, can you, uh, can you heal him? And Jesus says, of course, just show me the way and I'll be there and I'll heal him. And the centurion says, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, just say the word. Just give a word and you'll be healed. And, and, and Jesus does, and he's healed. And then Jesus says at the end of that little passage, he says he's thamazoed at his great faith. It used to be a word we translated astonished. That's, I prefer that word. These days it gets translated amazed. But Jesus looks at him, he looks at his great faith, who believes he can simply speak a different word and his servant can be healed. And Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, the one who threw stars into space, is thamazoed. He's astonished at his great faith because no one had ever seen a miracle like this. See, this is before Jesus raised anyone from the dead and this is the first time a Gentile has been healed and it's the first time that Jesus has healed from a distance. And even though no one's ever seen it before, this centurion has faith to believe that it can happen in the future. And so he declares it to Jesus, and Jesus is thamazoed. He's astonished at his great faith. I'm amazed at Jesus all the time, and, and so are many, many people. They're amazed at his teaching. They're amazed at his power over nature. They're amazed at his power to heal. Many, many times the word thamazo is used in the Gospels. 
Twice it's used that Jesus is actually thamazoed, he's amazed, he's astonished at somebody else. First time is the centurion, the second time in Mark chapter 6, he's in his hometown in Nazareth and, uh, and the people, Jesus turns up after healing a whole bunch of people and, uh, and people have been raised from the dead and, and demons have been cast out and all the people in his hometown just go, isn't he just the carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't that his brothers and sisters just hanging around over there? I mean, who does he think he is? And who says we should listen to his words? And then Jesus says he was thamazoed, he was astonished at their lack of faith. They'd become too familiar with Jesus. And they didn't expect him to speak with power and authority. And I wonder if some of us this morning have gotten too familiar with Jesus. And we're actually expecting too little from Jesus. What's he going to be? Is he going to be thamazoed, astonished at your great faith like the centurion? Or is he going to be thamazoed, astonished at your lack of faith like the people in his hometown and it says he could do very few miracles there because of their lack of faith. You see, Jesus gives living hope to dying frames. This is the first time he actually raises a dead frame from the dead. But I tell you, my, my mum and dad could have given up hope on their healing. You know, you've heard me tell the story before, I'm not going to tell it all again, but my, my mum lived for over 20 years with severe anxiety and depression and agoraphobia, wouldn't leave the house for months at a time. She just could have given up hope. She could have said, this is the way it's been for such a long time, it's the way it's always going to be. But she continued to believe for healing and pastor would come and pray for her week after week and one day she was miraculously healed. The darkness just lifted off her and she's never been the same again. Medical science can't explain it other than Jesus has done something miraculous in her life. My dad, all through his life, from the time he was born, had, had chronic asthma, almost died many times as a young kid, got big shots of adrenaline just to keep his heart going because that's what they used to do uh, back in the day. When I was a kid and my mum was still sick, I still remember pushing. My mum was so sick she couldn't go near a hospital. And so I remember wheeling my dad into the hospital as a young boy and uh, when I thought my dad was going to die because he couldn't breathe, he had a, cr a bad uh, asthma attack, I, I saw that all through my life. I never saw him go anywhere without a puffer, ever. You know, my dad had that for over 45 years, nearly 50 years of his life. One day he was in church and someone had a different word for him. Just said, I believe that God's going to heal someone of asthma here today. And this is the weird kooky bit. He says, I believe God's telling you to run around the auditorium seven times like Joshua uh, ran around Jericho. And my dad, who doesn't like being the centre of attention, did. Completely healed of asthma. Never. <laughs> Never used his puffer again. That was 20 years ago or more. I've got big questions about healing, I really do. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why some people get healed in an instant, 
by Jesus. I don't understand why some people get healed over after waiting for a long time by Jesus. I don't understand why some people get healed in hospitals and some people simply get healed by the supernatural hand of Jesus. I don't know why some people get healed in heaven and some people get temporarily healed this side of heaven. I, I don't know. What I do know is when I read the Gospels, we are told to pray for healing for the sick and that Jesus has power to bring change and so we've got to keep doing it and we're going to do it down here in just a few moments. But I believe Jesus still heals miraculously today and he heals medically. Otherwise, we'd look at people dying of diseases around the world and just say, it's the way it's always been. That's the way it'll always be. You know, through, through Gateway Beyond, you know, we're seeing, and uh, Neil and Gwyneth, it's great to have them back, sitting down the, the front here this morning, but with a whole bunch of others that have been working in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And because of your generosity, we've just opened a training centre there, you know, for doctors to be trained in a place where many, many people living in poverty just can't get medical help. Well, we'll see, we're not sitting here going, oh, that's just the way it's always been. We're saying we're going to do something about that because Jesus has hope for change. Andrew and Anne are up the back. Great to have you guys back as well. Just go up the continent a little bit further into northern Uganda. And there were women, you know, dying, giving birth under trees and kids dying of preventable diseases. But because of your generosity, there's now a a maternity ward and a child's health clinic where, where, where people that in the past were dying are actually going to come in and find healing. Otherwise, you know, you see, otherwise we just say, well, that's the way it's always been. It's poor. They're dying and there's nothing we can do about it. But that is not the heart of Jesus. Well, Well, we are still walking in the dash. And while we're still walking with Jesus in the dash, He has and he gives living hope to dying frames. And whether he heals miraculously or medically, it's what we've got to be about as a church. And lastly, Jesus gives living hope to dying faith. I mean, this kind of of grief and, and suffering... And let me just circle back here. I forgot to say some of us, I reckon, have put a full stop here. And we've just decided that's the end. Our frame's always going to be the way it is. If you're still living in the dash, Jesus got hope for change. Lastly, you know, sometimes, and we've all seen it, and we don't know exactly what's going on in the heart of this woman, but that kind of grief and suffering can be enough to put a full stop on faith. Kind of say, oh, God didn't come through for me, so I'm giving up on God. We've all met people like that, maybe we've walked through times like that, maybe you're in that place right now where you've just said, this is the way it's always been, this is all I've ever known of God, it's all I ever will know, full stop, the end, no hope for change. Now Jesus walks into this situation and he gives hope to people with dying faith. 
You know, I got to stand uh, next to this baptistry last Sunday afternoon and uh, there's a bunch of uh, three women actually from our Weirgal congregation that meets here on a Sunday afternoon stood in this baptistry and they all told a story. They're all different, but there was a story of incredible suffering and pain through their lives and their families, incredible brokenness and times where they gave up on God, but they have actually come to be part of this Weir Girl community. Two of them started serving in the kitchen before they actually knew Jesus, but just they've actually started to see the love and power of Jesus at work in this community, and it was just a reminder to them that even though they've gone through suffering and pain, Jesus is the one that has life and love and healing. I loved hearing their testimonies in the midst of suffering and pain of Jesus giving them life and healing their pain. I loved hearing the story of Mark from our care centre, you know, just last week as well, came to faith at uh, our Easter Sunday service this year, got baptised here on Tuesday with a whole bunch of care centre people uh, around him. Again, a story of incredible suffering he's walking through right now but just incredible peace that God has given him in the midst of his suffering, that he is with him and he'll not let go of him. You know, a bunch of Jesus' uh, people, the crowd that were following Jesus here in this story, a little bit later on, Jesus starts talking about the fact that if you follow me, you're going to have to suffer. There's going to be some pain in this journey. I'm going to strengthen you through the pain, but there's going to be pain. And it says crowds of people left him. They only wanted the cool stuff. They wanted the miracles. They wanted the power stuff. When they started to hear this, they left him. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Oh, you too are going to leave me? And I love Peter's response in John 6, verse 68. He said, Lord, where else can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone have power to give life after death you know the people watched Jesus speak to this dead boy and give him life this is what it says at the end of the passage they're all filled with awe and they praise God a great prophet has appeared among us they said God has come to help his people this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country people knew so the people of this time knew that Elisha one of the great prophets of the past had actually performed a miracle of raising a, uh, a dead boy uh, back to life who was also the only son of a widow. It's, it's very important that they said it was in the town of Nain because it's less than two kilometres from the exact place that Elisha did the miracle. But when Elisha did the miracle way back in, in the past, you know, he, he laid his body over the boy and he pleaded with God for, for a miracle. Miracle. And what we see is that Elisha, who took over as the prophet from Elijah, was actually a greater prophet than, a, than Elisha because when Elijah did it, he, he had to plead longer and he had to lay his body on the boy longer. And so it's this picture of Elisha actually getting a double portion you know, of God's favour in his life. And so Elisha was a greater prophet than Elijah. And then in this very same place where these miracles had occurred, Jesus rocks up and he doesn't plead with God. He doesn't throw his body all over a dead boy, you know, time after time to get him to come back from the dead. He simply looks at this dead boy being carried on a coffin and he says, get up. And he gets up 
and he starts speaking and he gets going. And all the people there, they praise God and they proclaim, this is a greater prophet than what we've ever seen before. They'd been living in a time of suffering. 400 years of being ruled by other countries. Incredible suffering in the culture that they're living in. They hadn't heard from a prophet for 400 years. Not a peep out of God. And they're thinking, maybe God has given up on us. Maybe we should give up on God. And here they see Jesus rock up and he speaks life into a dead body and they go, this is a great prophet. We're going to praise God and proclaim the truth everywhere that we go so that more people know that God is with us. And I tell you, that is why in this nation today that's turned its back on faith, turned its back on God, we must plant more campuses. We must create room for more people to come into our campus at Ormo, more people to come into our campuses in the city that we're going to plant in a few weeks' time and here at Mackenzie so that more people can hear the life-changing message of Jesus because he alone has the words of eternal life. As we choose to praise him in this nation and proclaim his truth around our country, more people are going to receive eternal life because Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. The religious leaders of the time would not dare reach out and touch a dead body. It would have made them defiled before God. But Jesus is not like other religious leaders. He sees this dead body and he reaches out And he touches the coffin and he speaks life into this boy. And it's simply a picture of what Jesus has done for all of us for all time. Jesus defiled himself with our death. You see, on his cross, cross has become a picture of death. But it started with Jesus on his cross. cross. He took all of our sin. He took all of the consequences for our sin. In fact, he defiled himself with the very power of death. All of the death this world could muster up was put onto Jesus' shoulders. And he knows what it's like for his dead body to be carried and placed into a grave. Joseph of Arimathea was given permission to bury him in a grave. But three days later, when when the women went to anoint his dead body, the angel was there and said, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And you see, we see that Jesus actually took our death upon himself and he was carried into a grave, but death could not hold him down. The grave did not have the final word. He actually had power over all of our deaths that he carried to the cross. And so he's able through the power of his resurrection to give his life to all people. And it says in John chapter 11, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, he says, again, this is just a picture of what I'm doing for everyone. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live forevermore. It deserves more than one amen. I tell you, this is the good news of the gospel. You see, when you put When you put your faith in Jesus while you're living in the dash, 
Even though there will be another date put on here one day, your body will still wear out. You'll need that final miracle on the other side of the grave. If you put your faith in Jesus, the resurrection and the life, while you're living in the dash, you don't actually get a full stop. You just get a comma. You, you just get a comma. That this life is just the beginning of what is to come in the next part of the life that God's always designed for us. The question is, have you put your faith in Jesus during the dash? Because once the dash is finished, there is no hope for change. While we're living in the dash, Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you life. I am the resurrection and the life. And there will be a day, a beautiful day. Who's looking forward to this day? No more tears. No more sickness. No more suffering. No more pain. No more death for all of those former things will have passed away and been put to death once and for all and will live in glory with God forever. Can I hear an amen? Right now we're living in the dash and we've got decisions to make about the hope that Jesus offers. I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you haven't yet, put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour to do that, to know for absolute certain that you've got eternal life, not because of anything you've done, but because of what he's done for you. Just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. If you're here this morning, you just say, today is my day to put my faith in Jesus. I'm living in the dash. I believe in Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to receive his hope and I want to give his hope to a hurting world. If that's your decision today, can I just get you to raise your hand wherever you are and say, I want to pray that prayer today with you, Jason. Just stick your hand up just so I can see it. Just stick it up high so I know who I'm praying with this morning. It's an act of faith this morning, just reaching out and saying, bless you. That's cool. Awesome. Well done. Who else this morning? Just say, that's my prayer. Bless you. That's good. Who else this morning? Just say, that's my prayer. Bless you, mate. Good man. That's good. Up the back. I see the hand. Awesome. Hey, if that's you this morning, just pray along with me. Just pray along with me. Father, I thank you that you've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I ask today that you would forgive my sin. That you would take on my death. And that you would give me everlasting life. I choose to receive your hope today. And to spend the rest of my life giving your hope to others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, why don't we put our hands together this morning and just uh, encourage those guys. I'd love you this morning. If that's you, go to our welcome lounge, get a Bible. We'd love to just uh, get in touch with you and help you to get started in that relationship today. It's the best decision you'd ever make. But why don't we stand together this morning? We're going to run a little bit late because I believe God wants to do something down here this morning. I'm going to get our prayer team and our pastoral team just to come out the front uh, right now, just ready to pray. See, what I believe is there's a whole bunch of people, you're living in the dash, 
but you've put a full stop on one area of your life too early. You've given up hope for change in your family, in your frame, in your faith, in your finances. And today, you're just saying, God, I want you to speak a different word over me. I want you to speak a word of life and not of death. And these guys out the front here this morning, they're just going to pray according to the Word of God, according to the heart of God. I, I just believe they're going to put hope in your heart this morning. I really do. Some of you just need to come out. Don't explain your whole story. Maybe you've just got to say family. Maybe you've just got to say finances. Maybe you've just got to say frame. Just let them know what they're praying for. And they're going to speak life. Start to come now. Because as the band cranks up this song, which is a great song, it's going to get harder to hear down the front. And I want you to hear those words of hope. Just start to come now. Come on. Don't wait. Just get down here. I don't care if you line up. Just wait and line up. Someone will get to you. We'll pray for you. Come on. Just keep, keep coming. There's some of you here to say, I've been living by a word that's coming from the grave rather than a word that's coming from God and it's time to take hold of a different word, a word of hope this morning. Just uh, just come and receive as Jimmy starts to sing for us. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.